So with the brown, you've got the you know the, the ball of brown. It's kind of gray brown. Yeah, I wish it was gray. Brown. Well, whatever. Sorry, <laughs> I don't, but no, it's, no, I don't it's, know. It's, it's, uh, Depends on what you're like, starting. It's with. just duh, right? Blah, drab. Whatever. Drab. Whatever drab that is. is the word. Hey, friends, welcome back. Today's show is called Emancipation from Mental Slavery, and we're going to be talking about some important aspects of moving forward in our series called How to Surf the Dow. And uh, we're excited about today's show. I think it's going to be helpful, and it really just gets us right into the business of understanding how to live well and to live well for others and to look at minimalism and to avoid some of the traps of, you know, religious traditions that only emphasize the afterlife. We're going to look at what it means to live here. And now you're here with us. That's a good start. Let's go. You know, sometimes we like to tell a story, baby, but let's just get right into this one, because mm-hmm. this one is just right down the middle, like mm-hmm. a good old-fashioned fastball pitch. Right down the middle, it's a strike. In terms of, I'm not saying that we're going to pitch a strike, <laughs> I'm saying that Lao Tzu's texts here really get at the heart of what it looks like to surf the Tao, and in, in many ways, I think it's really, really important as a corrective for many aspects of the Western traditions of religion, specifically Christianity. And even though I named my oldest son Augustine, in many ways this comes from... <laughs> you said I. We. Well, well we did. We but no, I mean, I, I, just, I didn't want you to have to take responsibility for the pretentiousness of my naming. We named our kids uh, like multiple names. So Augustine Charles Viator, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot that's of syllables, a lot, lot yeah. of syllables. Poor kid. But, um, but the thing is, I just want to give you a little backstory with the Christian scene, right? Yeah. Prior to, prior to the emperor um, that converts to Christianity, you know, Constantine the Great, it was unthinkable for a Christian to not be a pacifist. They were all pacifists. There was no such thing as just war hmm. um, because Christians were the ones who were going to be crushed by the system, by violence. Hmm. They were the persecuted ones. So to be a soldier prior to Constantine, was to be putting on a stormtrooper outfit. Gotcha. And not like Luke and Han Solo do in, uh, in uh, A New Hope, right, where they're dressed up like stormtroopers, and, and not like maybe times during the Star Wars you know, uh, saga uh, where maybe the, the clones dressed up like stormtroopers were on the side of the good guys. We're saying that the very uniform would indicate an allegiance to some power, mm-hmm. we might call Molech, but to some power that was completely at odds with the kingdom of Christ. Well, a problem happened in the West. It was a good problem if you were looking at it from the perspective of getting persecuted. Christians who had just survived the really intense persecutions of a guy named Diocletian all of a sudden found themselves at the table. They went from being a persecuted minority to elevated voices in the empire. And that was, again, that was great in terms of you not wanting to get killed. It was complicated, though, because now you had to ask, what role does a Christian have in enforcing power? 
mm-hmm. and using violence and that sort of thing. And what that has to do with our story today or our conversation today is that it, it shifted people's ideals towards the afterlife. Now, Christians have always confessed this idea of a resurrection, a new heaven and a new earth, but they haven't always agreed on the, the way that this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. There are some, historically, there are some Christians who said, you know, the church is just like Judaism, part of the tikkun olam, the healing of the nations, the healing of the world, the repair of the broken system. And so the church is like this sacramental presence, this healing medicine. It is the body of Christ in the world healing and bringing things into a better way, into a peaceful way. And there's another strand of thought or another emphasis that's on the other end of this spectrum. And they would say, no, there's nothing you can do. This world is crap. It's going to get worse. It's just going to burn up anyway. There's nothing to do to fix it. So what we're going to do is just survive, make as many converts as we can, but focus on the afterlife. But what Augustine did, and he does this in his book, The City of God, which has lots of great things to commend it. For instance, you know, the idea that there are natural forces at work within empires and Rome didn't fall because the gods were angry, <laughs> you know. But what Augustine does is he, he allows for a certain kind of theological or religious complacency. A kind of sense that, you know, our job as followers of Jesus Mm -hmm. is no longer really about bringing this new kingdom into the world now. It's about getting people on the lifeboats for the next world. Mm -hmm. And so injustice is the dirty business of politics. Christian emperors can make mistakes, and they will make mistakes. They'll be imperfect. And so it kind of led to this idea that, that you could be a Christian ruler mm-hmm. and a bad guy. Mm. It takes us all the way down to, like, Charlemagne, who's got all these concubines, and, you know, he's got this hmm. love of Augustine, by the way. Later on, the, the, the Frankish king Charlemagne loves Augustine, the city of God. And I think that Charlemagne loves the city of God because... It allows him to recognize the disparity between his violent self and the teachings of Jesus and be okay with that, right? Mm -hmm. Now, in many ways, it is against that Western strand of tolerance for injustice that became really big in the Middle Ages. I mean, there were other voices as well. But for a long time, the Christian West kind of gave up on trying to worry too much about social justice, And so it's when you get to that, you get somebody like Bob Marley singing, um, emancipate yourselves Mm -hmm. from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. Um, That kind of thinking. Or more importantly, some people, there's another Bob Bob Marley quote, some people think, great God come from the sky, Mm -hmm. take away everything and make everybody feel high. Right. But if you know what life is worth, you will look for yours on earth. And then you will see the light and you'll stand up for your rights. So, so the point is, there are these strands of thinking where there's an emancipatory or a liberating or an active, engaged opposition to evil and, and injustice in the world. There's that strand in religion mm-hmm. in the West. But there's also the strand that is saying that your religion is just something about your own inner person 
uh, and your own spirituality. So don't worry too much about injustices in the world. Just go meditate on your couch and and let the world burn around you. Yeah. And I think that that's why we wanted to bring these two chapters to bear early up, early on in our conversation. Um, yeah, there's, you know? <laughs> there's so many things that came to mind as you were or you Please, were, yeah, as you were yeah, speaking. Yeah. And one of them was first of all the idea. Of uniforms, right? You yeah. mentioned the stormtrooper <laughs> uniforms. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. We, in any position, often, I mean, even if you're in the business world, you put on your, your suit, your uniform, you yeah. know, uh, your work clothes. You know, we often will put our Sunday best on to go to church, yep. right? In a way, that's kind of a uniform. But literally, like, you go to a grocery store, those people are wearing a uniform. Yeah. And it is helpful to identify who can help you in this company or this business that you happen to be, you know, visiting. But it's also when you put on that uniform, Stacy goes away mm. and I am now, you know, this the store employee or, you know, if you mm. know like, you think of um you know like you mentioned with our, our daughter-in-law when she puts on her Albertsons uniform. Right? I feel She's, a little ashamed of myself <laughs> if she comes over and I'm sitting in my shorts, you know, and I'm like, wow, this is an important person here. Yeah, she's, she's got an Albertsons she's, outfit. Yeah, She's a manager there, you yeah. know, and so it's like, Dear. It's, it's like all of a sudden, but she's... Big sto- person showed up. She stops being Sydney <laughs> yeah. and she becomes this manager of yeah. Albertsons, yeah. right? And I Who guess... can hire and fire people. And what I'm, yeah, and what I recognize with the idea of uniforms yeah. is that there is this um, way in which sometimes we could put our brains aside oh, yeah. and then just be the minion, you know, the, the person carrying out the deeds Well, that's one of the reasons of the that, company. That's one of the reasons we do it. it right. You know, especially in war, you want to you ask people to do some tough things. They're doing it as minions of the government rather than as individual people that otherwise might have been very nice, kind-hearted folk. Right. And I think that it's important that even though we put on our uniforms and uphold, you know, some of the standards of where we're working, that we don't let our minds check out and that we just blindly do what we're told to do. That's how war crimes occur. Exactly. Yes. So it it is interesting, though, that 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 takes you out of your everyday clothes, who you are and Mm. the expression of yourself. And you become just, you know, Mm. one of this agent working for whoever is coming up with this idea, you know, there, so it's, it's, that's an interesting thought. The other thing I was thinking is that, you know, when there, there's, there is so much pain and so much suffering in this world. And when, when you're in the thick of that, you know, there is the temptation to say, you know, where is God? Yeah. 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 And so it does make sense that the leaders of any religious group would say, well, there is pain and suffering in this world. That's part of this. But don't worry. We'll wait till later because they don't want it to be a reflection that their religious... Isn't working. Isn't work, the religion beliefs... Yeah, the religious beliefs aren't working, yeah. right? Yeah. That, that somehow it's a bunch of, you know, fooiness. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. so it keeps you in the game so that you're still... Mm-hmm. Even if your life... Pay no mind to the fact that you are miserable in this religion. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm laughing sardonically because that's, that's how... That's how we were taught. Right. Like we, we were, you know, we were kids we're like, well, this is like terribly upsetting and, and legalistic sermons, but I guess, you know. And I think this is a good time probably to introduce just chapter three here. Right, and right I'll on. go ahead and read yeah. this. Idolize celebrity and success and men will bicker in envy. 
overvalue possessions and men will turn into thieves. Flaunt what you have and others' hearts will become restless. The sage leads by helping men let go of longing and fulfill living needs. Let go of striving and enjoy good health. The sage emancipates men from mental slavery and restrains the crafty from their manipulations. Surf the Tao and everything will be okay. Now, <laughs> one thing I will There's mention. A lot there. Yes. And for the surf the Tao and everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. Is that what we're saying? Oh, just wait for it all to make sense some other time in the future. Uh, yeah. See, that's what, that's what sometimes you might think, right? No. We're saying that that may be part of it, but the, that the idea is that just like we talked about on the, the previous lesson about letting things be, mm-hmm. having a little more faith in the way things naturally take, take their shape. You know, y- your body can heal itself if you don't get in the way. Um, your children will grow if you don't get in the way. This is an affirmation of the idea that that nature is going to kind of balance things out. Mm-hmm. Things things are going to find their equilibrium. Don't get too panicked. You know, so if if you know, especially we spend a lot of time at the beach. When you're at the beach, you can really feel the earth breathing, and sometimes the wind can get really heavy duty. Mm-hmm. And it's either as the temperatures change more drastically on land, and then the sea has this a little more stable, um, moist air the earth is kind of going back and forth in inland and then back to sea and back and mm-hmm. forth. Well, if you get all panicked and say, oh no, I don't like the wind going in that direction, there's nothing you can do about it. Right, right, right. <laughs> but in another sense, you're saying, be at peace, be present, be here and just enjoy where you are and don't worry about where the wind's coming or wind's going because it'll come back around. Mm-hmm. You know, um, things have a way and sometimes it's more painful than others, mm-hmm. but things have a way of of working themselves out. And this is not like this direct, this is not really talking about like a God intervening and poking things around and kind of manipulating things as if there's like a puppeteer God in the sky. Mm-hmm. It's similar to the Stoic concept of the Logos Spermatikos. This is this divine creative wisdom to the world. It's similar to what Christians call the Logos which is identified with Jesus, it's the idea that God doesn't need to intervene and poke things around and put them into place. God has set things up. And by the way, dear dear listener, if you don't believe in God, you can use a different way of thinking of this. The universe is such that there is an operating system to it, a code to it, it seems, that tends to work. We're not quite sure why, but that's the mystery. It's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. The, the, the way that, that the earth kind of balances itself out mm-hmm. in so many ways is, is amazing, you know. Um, right. We have to have, you know, you have to have the seasons. You have to, you know, in order, in order to let, you know, the, basically there's a time for growing your crops. There's a time for letting the mm-hmm. land just lie and, and, and recuperate, right? And there's and, forest fires. But then there's less stuff for the forest fire to burn and, and more fertilizing uh, mm-hmm. of the soil. And it can grow, yep. But the, the way this is described by the uh, Episcopal priest and author Robert Ferrar Capon um, in, in a book called 
Genesis the movie, he describes this all as if this Logos or the Holy Spirit has set things up um, as if God is an honest casino dealer. Mm. What he means is a lot of people go into Vegas and they think (laughs) somebody's kind of screwing with the, they're screwing with the roulette wheel. There's like a magnet and it's been happening. But no. But isn't it kind of crazy though? Doesn't it seem like, I I know some people (laughs) that go and, and, and they'll gamble and they, it seems like they always win. They, you know, what is there it are with, with their luck, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what energy that they're putting. Yeah. Like, how is it that they... I think I have the answer. <laughs> I think I have the answer. Ready? Yeah. The society, I want to get back to the... Yeah. But the when we go, when we go, we, we've been going for a few times and then we just, just got cleaned out every time. We're like, this is no fun anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I, partly, I think, the casinos aren't doing well and I don't think they're, they're mm-hmm. given little boosts as much as they used to. That's a side issue. Um, sometimes when they put new games in there, yeah, they might make they want to make it more exciting, draw some attention. I, I could be wrong, and maybe this is just how I lick my wounds. <laughs> like your cousin always is. Oh, yeah. She wins all the time. But I think they play more than we do. And they do. And they, I think that's and the key. They, and that's what's the illusion. And because, they also like, play a, with a lot of money. And a so lot of money, long time. You, and you're like not comfortable with If you push the, the highest amount every time and you're right. willing to lose a couple thousand dollars on a trip or more, yeah. you know. And you can tell then, your family back home you won 1600 bucks. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> right. you did, you know, right. yeah. did you actually win? Yeah. You still might have put in, you know, you might have. That said, your cousin yeah. does seem to be lucky. <laughs> but, okay, but the point is, right. So we're always thinking, oh, are they are they screwing us over? Are they rigging it? And the key is, no, the casinos don't have to rig it. It's the, it's the math itself works out this mm-hmm. way. And so the reason over time you're going to lose is on the roulette wheel, for instance, there are two little green spots. Yes, and they throw in that little thing to give the, the house a little advantage. Um, yep. If you put 500 bucks on red every time, you'll, it'll be like flipping a coin. It's going to go back and forth. Mm-hmm. You can just kind of stay there all night, right? Mm-hmm. Um, until you happen to you know, hit a bad streak and then you go or you get tired or something. But no, it's those green ones that are going to kind of wipe everybody's money out. And they just have that little edge so that as long as they can keep you playing, if you, yeah. they're going to get that little percentage. Well, God is the honest casino dealer that sets the world up where to, again, if you're agnostic, atheist, the, the universe, now using the Tao Te Ching here, the universe is such that... If you cannot try to constantly control the world mm-hmm. and you kind of just flow a little easier, it's this idea of Wu Wei going with the flow. If you can surf the Tao in that way, if you can, if you can practice Wu Wei, things will work out mm-hmm. in the big picture, in the long run. Mm-hmm. Now, I know sometimes, you know, but when I, I mentioned, you know, with everything, will it be okay? You know, does it mean just an afterlife thing? You know, it's, there's so many times where I see that, you know, in my experience that people now can even commit, you know, different injustices and things like that, Mm -hmm. but it's always with the thought or put up with, um, Mm -hmm. you know, injustices for themselves thinking that, okay, I'm going to wait just until, you know, heaven or, mm-hmm. you know, or that that's where we're supposed to end up. And so it doesn't matter what we're doing to the environment and things like that. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, we're not meant to, mm-hmm. you know, just always be here on earth that we're going to mm-hmm. go to heaven. Right. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it almost, I see, I feel like it's actually, a, um, it's a hidden thing mm-hmm. and it's not always said explicitly mm-hmm. but you came across something that actually like was very explicit that yeah 
Could you read that? Yeah. Okay. So this is from one of the most wretched periodicals. It's called the Christian News, and I'll stand by that. You we normally don't want to just badmouth people, but historically, the Christian News is a kind of fundamentalist Lutheran paper that also has a lot of other non-Lutheran fundamentalists mm. uh, that they'll include their stories. It goes back to around the time of uh, the Civil War within the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and pushback against civil rights. Mm-hmm. Very often over its history, uh, this guy Herman Otten started it, and uh, it, very often over its history it has um, toyed with Holocaust denial. Mm. Uh, it, it, they hate Dietrich Bonhoeffer. They hate Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, like, these are the stories, mm. if you, you see a pattern. Um, and, uh, and sometimes, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll come at... They, they spend a lot of time coming at um, church leaders. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just always angry. And so, gotcha. I mean, I think, generally speaking, one, one, um, one scholar describing this spirit here is kind of like they've got a Luther complex. They're not doing anything good unless they're pissed off about something and taking somebody out. Mm. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. you, yeah, I'm Luther, I've seen that. And, yeah. I've gotta, and so you like, there is a spirit in some religious people where you've just got to be angry all the time. Mm. Otherwise, you're not a real religious believer. You can't be too happy because mm-hmm. there's always something to, you're always angry about something. Mm-hmm. Which is ironic, of course, because what is there to be angry about if you can't <laughs> fix it? But we'll get there, we'll get there in a second. But, um, so, uh, well, an anger in that way also is a defense mechanism. Yeah, sure, sometimes. sure. We didn't grow up in this, even though my family on, on my, my mom's side, they were part of the, the Germanic Lutheran scene. My great-great-grandfather came out to be an officer in the Civil War to fight against slavery. There's pastors and stuff. But for the most part, we grew up in just Orange County land. Mm-hmm. Didn't really have a lot of connection with the Germanic aspect of right. Lutheranism. In the Midwest and other places, sometimes this comes up. And there is a small but serious problem. I say small in terms like I'm not saying most Lutherans are like this. But there are uh, pockets of white nationalists within the Lutheran church. Mm. And uh, I have a, a, a – there was a colleague, there was somebody I was speaking with, and he um, uh, was talking about how this worked out in, in – um, like Eastern Orthodox church groups. So if you're Ukrainian or Latvian or Russian Orthodox or Greek Orthodox, white nationalists have been consciously trying to invade those communities Mm -hmm. because they need an ethos, Hmm. right? So historically white nationalism is kind of not cool with Christianity. It's too soft, but they realize if you can kind of infiltrate it, just like the Nazification of the church in Germany, Mm -hmm. if you can infiltrate the churches, then you've got the structures You've got jobs, you've got ways of controlling people's minds and bringing them along. So this is Well, a- and I think that when church wants to tie themselves very closely politically, yeah. that opens the door for some of these people to speak certain language, you know, speak a certain yeah, th- language right. so, that yeah. can kind of almost start to infiltrate it and then work its way in kind right. of like this little worm throughout. It's always kind of been there in the back. Mm-hmm. But it's it's now like in the sixties, people would often pay lip service to like racial justice mm-hmm. 
in, in conservative Lutheranism, for instance, but they would say, well, well we're not going to actually integrate our churches and schools, right? Like, right. But they were kind of quiet about it. They knew they had to be. And now there's at least some pockets where you can be more bold and emboldened about it. If you want to kind of track this, there's a, a Twitter. I don't know who runs the Twitter handle, uh, Lutherans Askew, but every once in a while they'll post some um, information and some evidence of this going on. Just They kind of keep an eye on it. Uh, but there's another uh, thing that's happened in con- more conservative Lutheran circles, and that is um, this uh, group called Lutherans for Racial Justice. And I don't, I know some of the guys and gals involved, but I, I don't, I'm not really that close to, f- to paying attention to it. But as soon as I saw that, I said, yes, we're going to donate to that <laughs> just, to, just to give them a high five, make sure that they know, you know, that, uh, that there's somebody in this land that is incredib- incredibly white <laughs> you know church tradition is true true for pretty much all of them even the scandinavians or whatever because lutheran church is a kind of an ethnic church right yeah and i didn't realize this again growing up in orange county but it's kind of like if you're a korean a korean presbyterian or or ethiopian orthodox church you kind of expect that it's going to be ethnic mm-hmm. america is such that you know if you're germanic or scandinavian it might still be an ethnic church but you look white so it's it's kind of a weirder thing to navigate point being i was really glad to see that there are some people speaking out against the the racism Mm -hmm. in the lutheran church i think there should uh, be other conversations about the racism in the uh, very problematic pockets of racism within the reformed or or calvinistic traditions specifically as we've mentioned before um, folks like doug wilson out of moscow idaho who have toyed with these ideas of uh, kind of whitewashing the pre-Civil War South and kind of saying that slavery is part of God's plan. Mm. The Baptists have egg on their face. I don't know exactly when it was that the Southern Baptists finally agreed that slavery was probably against God's will, Mm. but they didn't want to say that for a long time, Hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So it's in that context that uh, there's this article, and so this was... uh, Volume 58, number 30 of the Christian News from August 17th, and the article is Ex-Lutherans for Racial Justice in the LCMS. And partly what they're poking at there is a lot of the people that signed the petition might have been ex-LCMS Lutherans because they're sick of it. They bailed. So they said, well, who who cares about your petition because now you're in the liberal ELCA or something like this. Mm. This is a lot of inside baseball, friends, but it has a point to it. And I'll end the the Christian history on this. We'll get into it. But here's what it says. The gospel of Christ does not promise to fix earthly problems. Instead, it comforts with the resurrection of Christ and the life, justification, and heavenly riches that flow from it. The true gospel does not improve our lives on earth. It rather gives hope and blesses with the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing our resurrection to come and eternal life. Now, there's more there, but it's that key line that just popped right out at me. The true gospel does not improve our lives on earth. Now, (laughs) one more thing, then I'll just try to slow it down. Uh, That's, of course, a perfect illustration of what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. that the Tao Te Ching is going to say, no, let's let's bring it to here as well. Mm -hmm. Let's let's focus here. Um, And there are elements of truth, right? right? Christianity 
never, Jesus never promised an easy road. He promised a cross. Yes, a cross <laughs> that you're going to bear, right? But that is different. The idea that you're, the, the idea that the just person is going to have to suffer persecutions in the name of Jesus. By doing the right thing, by following the good and seeking justice, you'll be suffering. So, Right. Christianity it, isn't it to make you ag- rich. Right. You'll be suffering because it goes against yeah. what the the values of the world. It goes against, you know, yeah. those that are benefiting from the system, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So when you are going at those powers, when you are mm-hmm. talking about a different way, a different mm-hmm. way of being, a different way, you know, of existing in this world, that raises mm-hmm. eyebrows, that draws attention to you yeah. and it ended up getting Jesus killed. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, yeah, I get it there, pals. If anybody is trying to hustle you a religion that says, don't pay attention to the abusiveness, the suffering, the cruelty, the ostracism, the racism, whatever it is. If you're thinking that your religion is going to get you off the hook for societal, systematic cruelty and injustice in the world, that's not just a religion that's off. That's a religion that needs to be flushed down the toilet. Mm-hmm. Flushed. Now I'll calm down. Flushed <laughs> down the toilet. Absolutely. Like the poo-poo religion it is. Right. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it deserves, that's right? That's what it deserves, all right? So now let's go to the better way. What, what, what do you see in this chapter that's the better way forward? Yeah. So in this one... Um, you know, we went to the end first, but now in the beginning part, you know, it talks about, you know, the idolizing of, you know, celebrity and success and, you know, the overvaluing possessions and flaunting what you have. And I think that in our world, having things, you know, being famous, you know, we are, you know, we as a society often look up to those people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, I mean, when, if, if a celebrity dies, you know, mm-hmm. then like we all mourn, <laughs> yeah. you know, not everybody, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, a lot of people. Right. And, and so we all feel that. Yeah. And there's, there's a part of it where there's so many people that think that, that that's somebody who made it. That's yeah. somebody who is loved. Well, yeah, yeah. Loved. That is somebody who, um, is successful, successful, but what we all esteem to do or be and, Mm -hmm. or, you know, and, and it's, you know, I think sometimes like when, when you are doing what you're meant to do, um, it's a, a, a beautiful expression of art that people are driven to it and the success of it and, and people, you know, surrounding you and wanting to lift you up is sort of the accidental peace that happens mm-hmm. not the goal <laughs> yeah you know if yeah. if it's so we we often focus on some of these things as the goal because we want everybody to love us we want a lot of money or we want a lot of things right right um and if that's what our focus is we're missing the entire point yeah, I think, you know, and just one more thing on the Jesus thing, it's it's this idea, like, you know, the gospel doesn't do anything for your life here and now. Mm-hmm. One of the ways that that is wrong is to say that if you let go of the need to earn your success, either in this life or in heaven, if that's the good news, unconditional love is yours, mm-hmm. acceptance of yourself and others now, mm-hmm. how could that not have 
mm-hmm. an effect. Mm-hmm. The idea for Paul, the St. Paul, the gospel is this idea that there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. Not that those things aren't societal divisions, but that is in this new kingdom perspective, something that goes away. It's not that the gospel for Christianity and history is not purely this worldly. Mm-hmm. It's not saying that the only thing is just secular. That would be Marxism and socialism. Right. In that, I think, and that's not even to, to summarily dismiss those things, it's to say that part of what you find in, in say, Marxism is Christianity without the transcendent. Mm. It's all just a materialistic thing, but it's Christians wanted to share with each other. They mm-hmm. wanted an equality with one another. And um, the only thing is they, I think, they wanted, the Christians wanted to do it with the empowerment of this reality that we are spiritually one, mm. that, that that makes it possible. Instead of at the, you know, somebody takes a gun to my head and says, give me your money and I'm going to redistribute it. That's a different kind of thing from the idea that I realize that you are my sister and that's my brother. Right. And I, I want you not to suffer. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so it's not that the gospel is good works of social justice. Right. It's that anybody who has woken up, anyone who has been enlightened, repented, will naturally be uncomfortable. Well, and when you... When you have felt that unconditional love and and you fully embrace that, that gives you the ability to when you have that and you understand what that is mm. and you can you want you want to give that to other people mm-hmm. you want to give that unconditional love to others yes. and part of that love lets you see where they are hurting, where their pain is mm-hmm. and like any good parent, you know, you want that to go away for them. Mm-hmm. When, when you dismiss or don't care about the pain and suffering of other people, mm-hmm. you can't have love for them. You can't. In Christianity, we're taught that we have the Holy Spirit. Right. And when you see the Holy Spirit in somebody else, mm-hmm. you are looking at God mm-hmm. in them. Mm-hmm. When you dismiss the Holy Spirit within them, you are dismissing God yeah. at that point. When you, and, and, and you think, well, that's, that sounds like what people say at the end of yoga, namaste. Mm-hmm. But uh, it also sounds like something that uh, the Lutheran writer Grundtvig said, talked about the spirit in other people. But you know what, even more, it's also what Jesus said. In the last day, people will say, hey, I'm your pal, Jesus. I got the, the Jesus hat and the Jesus uniform. Yes. So let me in to the new kingdom. And Jesus says, I don't know who that person is. Exactly. But then Jesus says, um, why didn't you see me in the least of these? Why didn't you? I've been around. Right. In, in, in starving children. And, and your, your, your neighbor who's lonely and crying, like, why didn't you see me? Why do you insult the face of God that's right before you right. in the in the person of somebody else. Right. That's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit too, in a way, right? I mean, right, that's, right. That ain't and, no good. And so when our values are off and when we are seeking and idolizing the, the success and the, and uh, celebrity and possession. So like uh, it says with the celebrity and success that men will bicker and envy. Right. Mm-hmm. So they, they'll think that, you know, why don't I have this success? They think it's almost like, you know, you know, that 
it's not really the beauty of the art that they created or were a part of, right? That right. it's just that somehow the world decided to put these people on a pedestal or something. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I want that, you know? And then they, you know, they get all locked up in themselves of how, you know, how do I get this fame? How do I get this success? And then when it says overvalue possessions and when something becomes really precious. <laughs> we saw this on the um, the Lord of the Rings, right? When there's a possession, the ring, you know, and mm-hmm. of course that's also because it had power. Yep, yep. <laughs> but but that's that why. became a, an object that turned men into thieves. They all wanted to steal the ring so they could right. grasp what they thought, you know, that power that was in that ring. The other thing is flaunt what you have and others' hearts will become re- restless. Like when you are showing off your fancy possessions and people will think, well, you know, I don't have that. Why don't I? Don't, why don't mm. I have that? And they're going to attack you. They're going to want it, and they want. Mm. So they're going to want to steal from you. They're going to want mm. to attack you. They're going to, you know. So when our values are off, it creates this whole system of people pain, pain, pain and basically just trying to get take from each other. Yeah. Rather than you know support, love, and lift each other Mutual up. Mutual gift giving. Right. So chapter three continues, the sage leads by helping men let go of longing and fulfill living needs, let go of striving and enjoy good health. Mm. And so it is interesting because I was thinking about um, the let go of longing. Okay. Mm. And there was something that I was reading not that long ago that said, longing is important. Okay. Not the longing over these silly possessions, but when there is a longing, we do have often a longing for something, mm-hmm. right? When we deny that and like try to fill that with these things, mm-hmm. we find that these things never never bring the happiness that you're after. They never bring the right. peace that you're really after. And so you find new things to strive after and say, well, I'll only be happy if I, you know, I can be happy if I do this or my life will be better if this happens. You know, people that we've mentioned this before, I think, but when people win a lottery, very, I don't know, I hear of horror stories that it's have happened It's usually to them. not a good game. Right. Yeah. And so then, you know, they, I, they had their life thinking that money would have solved their problems. And then they realized money didn't solve their problems. And now they're still stuck with their problems. Right. So to ignore your longing and is, in a weird sense, denying what you really are after. Yeah. So it is good to, when you have longing, to... In, to Recognize, recognize it, it. Yeah. and to not just you know brush it aside. But what this, what I think, what this is saying here is to let go of the longing after these false things, after these things that aren't going to bring you the happiness because they're not the real thing you're longing for. And how does this work then with mental slavery? The way we the way we think that keeps us in this system mm-hmm. of pain and struggle. It goes a couple ways. So if I am constantly envious of other people who have nicer things than I do, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for me to let go of some of my, some of my stuff to share with people who are destitute. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I feel bad for that person that doesn't have enough money for their kids to eat. But, you know, I also have problems. Like, right. my car is not as nice as that other guy's car. Right. And that, it's the sickness of the misaligned values right. that causes me to have this unnecessarily restless heart that I feel shame for not having the nicest car. That shame leads me to be hustling in a way that is not healthy for myself. 
and I ignore somebody else. And this is the key. The Tao, right? We were talking more in terms of, let's say, the gospel or Jesus or something, but let's just say in terms of, of all of that lumped into one thing. The Tao gives you the ability to say, oh, goodness, I'm going to appreciate what I got right here. Mm-hmm. And that takes down the intensity mm-hmm. of that striving for this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the first thing is, maybe when you go back, like go back to the, to the news, the Christian news I was reading, that, that there's nothing that we can expect in this life. Well, one of the things that can, you can expect from any spiritual awakening is an overwhelming euphoria, at least at times when you're able to focus on it, that, oh, it's okay to live well, but minimalistically, mm-hmm. right? Like, wow, this is wonderful, mm-hmm. you well, know, and uh, the other part appreciating is what we've got. Fulfill living needs is part right. of it. You have living needs, and we, and, we, and we use that word on purpose because basic human needs, if they yes. aren't met, yes. then you are miserable. You A can't. hungry man is an angry man. <laughs> so, I mean, you... you we did, we're living in this culture where we're striving for so much. Give me, give me, give me, give me. I need more stuff. Give me more stuff. I want to eat more stuff. I want more just stuff. Rom, 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 rom. Well, and but meanwhile, we're, we're malnourished. Our and, food is full of empty calories. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. a lot of it, you know. Yeah. Um, but you, and you, you know. In our culture, right? So, like, to say, what do I really need? Mm-hmm. Let me make sure I attend to that need. Mm-hmm. That's okay for myself to, to take care of that. And guess what else? It's really important that if we see somebody else who is not getting food or medicine or water or shelter, that we look out for those folks. Right. That's important. And the only reason we don't is because we're so distracted by the bright, shiny things that we're chasing. Right. And so, and again, this, the sage leads by helping men. The other part of it is let go of striving. Yes. And enjoy good health. They don't have, you know, if you're helping people not have to just work all day long just yeah. just to put some food on the table for their yeah. kids, right? That's what a sage That's dehumanizing. is going yeah. to help, help those people. And that may have a direct effect on the way we think about our society together, mm-hmm. right? So I think that the, typically the Tao Te Ching teaches to pull back on heavy-handed government and laws. So it's a little bit libertarian, a little mm-hmm. bit anarchist in that way. But it also doesn't really give us the sense that it's a good idea to have people going without. Mm-hmm. That that's, that's going to cause trouble. It's going to cause trouble for you if you don't care about the altruism of it, right? <laughs> but we, as we see this, I mean, at some point when you have bread riots, I don't care what your politics are. We've, we've got a societal problem on our hands yeah. of our own making. Right. Those disparities aren't good for anybody in the long run. Right. Ask, you know, uh, let, let them eat cake, uh, <laughs> right. Mary Antoinette. You know, like, uh, there's some historical footnotes that need to be put there. But the point being, if you push people down until they've got nothing, what happens? Oh, I mean, there's nothing to do. They, they have no reason but to, to fight because there's nowhere to go but up. Yeah. They're already so say, at the oh, bottom. Oh, everybody, look, well, your, 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 your message would be better if you weren't so, you know, loud and annoying about it or you weren't smashing stuff up and burning stuff. I don't think violence is ever the answer. I don't think burning stuff up in the cities is the answer. But make no mistake, friends, when I see that, I say, well, yeah, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, if, do you know? I mean, I, I, I'm surprised that there aren't more riots given all the nonsense that's going on. I'm not saying we should have more riots. I'm saying that is what happens. Yeah. And so how do you avoid that pain? 
you move towards that contentment within yourself so that you're not over-goblin. Right. And then you can then take it down a notch and help other people find true nourishment. Now let's move to chapter 12. Focusing on flashy things blinds eyes to beauty. Listening to a cacophony of voices makes it hard to hear the truth. Too many spices will dull your taste buds. Lust for luxury will drive you mad. Riches entice men to evil deeds. Therefore, the sage attends to essential nourishment instead of mind-numbing diversions. She selects healthy food, ignoring empty calories. Yeah, I think we jumped a gun on that empty calorie business because that was in my mind. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, but that's, that's what this is about, right? Yeah. That, that we, we become liberated mm-hmm. when we don't get allured by the stuff that isn't interesting, isn't really good for us. But not like in the sense like, well, no, what's good for you? <laughs> you know, it's a broccoli and a boring life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some, some, no, it's, yeah. this is more like, you know, you, you spend all your life hustling for a five-bedroom house and you realize you didn't need the five-bedroom house. Somebody just tricked you into thinking that that was the marker of success. Mm. But you know what I'm saying? So, you know, so, so, but, but part of this is, part of this is this, is the sadness of getting somebody to be drawn away from the true goal is, is a very powerful move. Mm -hmm. Getting somebody to think that they're running to a, 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 a happy direction when in fact it's their own enslavement is part of the problem. And so what, what this idea of, of emancipating people from mental slavery is all about is to say, if we can reorient our, our spiritual, economic, moral compass, mm-hmm. we'll be in a lot better shape. It'll be a lot right. easier for us to avoid the pitfalls of, of tyranny and degradation and, and just the hell of a life that's just spent on the rat race, mm-hmm. the way you can escape that is by rethinking what matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part of the reason that I find it sometimes hard to find my own voice is for all of the years that I've been told that a woman's voice doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so what would I have to offer? What could I bring to the table? Mm-hmm. You know, that there are other men that are far more able and you know have so much more to offer than what i could possibly offer Mm -hmm. and i struggle with that you know like is is my voice valuable you know and i i think every voice is valuable i think that people do need to share what's their true self in their hearts Mm -hmm. and and that not letting society tell you that 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 doesn't have value that that doesn't you know that that's i don't know that's something that i i struggle with you know I, i'm like, it's a very important thing to, to recognize yeah. mm-hmm. i mean because because there's two things that go on i mean we and we and we literally embody it on this show so when i'm editing i often notice that you will make a really brilliant point and then say right <laughs> yeah. But no, we all do that, and, and, right? Like it's it's you know it's, it's and, a, and it's a linguistic. It, that's tip. something, yeah. That's something I've you know. It's also just a, a habit. When it's okay, <laughs> and I, so yeah. I'm not always looking to you when I say no. that for no. validation of any kind. But it, it can be. There are times when it is that. But at like a subconscious level, but there is a subconscious level you, tied to it. We grew up in such a world where I, 
you know, I, I got these, you know, this degree and all this, but at the same time, there is a world that we have inhabited for a long time where you do need in a certain sense to get permission. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you shouldn't be talking anyway, but if you are going to talk, I've got to give you the high five to make sure that that's legit. Right. And then the flip side, which I hate about myself, it just, it just drives me nuts, uh, is, is assuming that I get to talk over you. Now, the, the thing is, in our family, we have this horrible, horrible problem. Like, everybody is just filled with ideas, and it's just a constant, constant battle. And it's one of my favorite things, is that, mm. that battle for just, we're just talking and having a great time. It's kind of like our, our family is kind of like one of those annoying, sometimes, one of those like annoying uh, CNN <laughs> evenings where you've got four people's faces on the screen, and they're all trying to just, just get... 30 second in. bite in, you know, um, yeah. well, but, the, but the problem is like white evangelical dudes in Orange County, we don't even realize how, how stinky we act. It's so much a part of us because we're the ones who get to do the talking. That's mm-hmm. what we do. Mm-hmm. So even though I might say, along with the students that I, that I survey or poll, mm-hmm. I might say, you know, um, I believe in the value of a woman's voice. I, be, I, I believe in the value of underrepresented voices. Let me talk about that for an hour. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I repent of that. It's, it's hard, yeah. to, it's hard, to, it's hard to, to get out of it. So focusing on flashy things. Hmm. I love fashion. If, like, I love fluvog shoes. Mm-hmm. I love the art of fluvog shoes. But there's another kind of side of the thing, which is, you know, can I, can I outrank somebody by buying something? Okay. Right? So focusing on flashy things mm-hmm. can lead us to a kind of comp- competitiveness mm-hmm. that takes us into a hostility towards one another, right? Um, your car is better than mine as a dude or, you know, your shoes are, but whatever. Um, and all of this, this other extraneous stuff, the, the false goals mm-hmm. numb us to the fact that we've been enslaved. Mm. Gotcha. Right? Oh, if I could, you know, oh man, if I could just get the, the, the new, you know, video game console, then my life is great. But you don't realize that you've just dedicated 50 weeks out of 52 to Molech. Now you've got your kids, the, the video game console, but you're still enslaved by the system. You're a wage slave. Your, your, your life is just hollowed out. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And you sometimes can't notice it, because you're numbed by flavor in Rome. When you know, if if the Roman, if the if the Roman power wanted to keep the populace mm-hmm. in line, you give them bread and circuses, panamet kirkensis. You give them, you give them uh, spectacles. Gotcha. You give them gladiatorial games. You give them criminals getting ripped apart by lions. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! I'm so stimulated. I'm so entertained. I'm so entertained. This is so much fun. And my belly's full with with bread. And you're getting all of your rights taken away. Mm. They're running things. They're exploiting you. Does that make sense? Yeah. So so just hey, lots of good TV. Lots of good whatever whatever the media is at the time. There's a way in which the powers want to enslave us through entertainment. Hmm. It keeps us numb. Yeah. Just keep watching another, another, you know, a bachelorette. And I, I, I watch them a lot, but like, let's watch the bachelorette. Let's not ask about how we can have better relationships. How, you know, how, how can we have more fulfilling relationships in our, in our romantic lives? 
We don't ask that. Right. We don't ask about the good life. We ask about, oh, is, you know, is, is Heather going to be dissed, you know, on this, on this date? And so we're, it's just, a, it's the distractions. Right. So you know, really matters. it's interesting because, so there's a, there's a way in which, um, there's been sort of a, a, a check in society, I think with, uh, COVID yeah. and, and lockdown. Yeah. And what is interesting is that, you know, prior Prior to all of that, we, you know, we were out very busy, always yes. busy, busy yes. with so many different commitments and things like that, right? That, and when we weren't super busy, we often spent time, you know, staring at our phone, um, you know, and looking to see, okay, what's going on in social media, what's going on, you know, in the news or things like that, and just distracted by all the different things that we can, you know, do with on our phone. And... It's funny because I think what we realized that in a way, when we were forced to just be stuck at home with our phone and that we really can't, you know, have that community, we can't join together, you know, you can't go even to the, that restaurant or bar or that, you know, that wedding and all celebrate together, <laughs> you know, yeah. you can't, it, that, that in a way, like, I think that... um we were okay a lot of times we will settle for sort of a, a pixelated image on our phone instead of actually going and seeing the real thing so like what if you know you could look at this image of you know this you know sunrise or sunset or this flower oh, or I like whatever. I like where you're going with this you and going. you know we would be entertained with all of this and now we're like wow, the stuff on this phone and this TV, it's just, ah, I want to get the real thing again, you know? And we took it for granted. Yeah. And now when we do have that sense of community, you know, the students, they want to go back to school. They want to go back to classes. Yeah. You know, that, like, I guess we didn't really know what we had until it was gone, you know? And we were trading what wasn't real, mm. you know, for mm. a, a pretend version of it. But it doesn't do us any good to say, well, I'm going to limit your screen time, kids. <laughs> and I guess what, what is easier or what, what's a more effective way to get kids off the screen time is to help them wake up mm-hmm. to the beauty of being present. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's really one of the most important things about 3 and 12 is this idea that is very common to all the great spiritual you know, wise people of the, the sages of the centuries be here now. Yeah. But mm-hmm. we stumbled on a, on a way of maybe thinking that maybe saying be here now might not be the answer because that's like, okay, I'd like to, but I'm worried. <laughs> right. So like you just telling me to be here now. Now I'm just sitting here worried about how come I can't be here now. Right. Right. And it's like something I got to do. And instead we said, you're here now. <laughs> that is the truth of it. If you are seeing that, you are here, <laughs> you know, wherever you are, you are here now. And I love the fact that I, you know, I've heard, you know, basically I see it this way. Somebody that is surfing the Tao, when they are with somebody, they're actually with them, giving that person their attention and their time. Right. And then when they aren't with them, then they can go and do about their other business, right? Mm. But just being 
there, being, you know, being here, what is right in front of you and giving that your attention. Um, there's just, I just think of so many times when, you know, you, we, especially when we could go to the restaurants all the time or whatever, a family will sit down and then everybody's on their own personal device. Right. <laughs> you know? And then after dinner, everyone complains about the interactions that they had in between their device uh, <laughs> checking, uh, you know. So it's like we, we, we kind of like are half present. Yeah. And then later on, we're all worried about what we said or what somebody said to us at the dinner meeting where we weren't fully paying attention. Right. And so I, I think it's an important concept to really think of, of, you know, where you are at that moment, who you're with, really be there. You know, yeah. you are here. So yeah. put your mind they're with it, you know, and don't be off in, in your world of other things because your world of other things can come back to you as soon as you're no longer with that person. Practice this, friends. Seriously. You are where you are right now. You're alive. Congratulations. <laughs> you are breathing. Congratulations. <laughs> Look around. There's some ugly stuff. There's some beautiful stuff. But it's all part of your story. And that's the story that you ought to attend to. Mm-hmm. Now, you should plan more, probably, but worry less, right? Get, get yourself, when I say plan more, get yourself pointed in the right direction. Don't always be worrying, like longing for this time. Someday I'll have the big house. Someday I'll have the great job. No, point yourself in the direction that's going to get you where you want your story to go and then flex with, you know, the waves and the, the, the turns of life. But, but... That's easy. It's like being on a sailboat. Tilt yourself in the right direction mm-hmm. and then relax a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is something we learned from Augie in sailing. You know, we, we were trying to live on a sailboat for a while. The problem is, like, Augie was the only guy who really knew how to sail, you know, with any <laughs> sailing, racing with some people. But part of it is, you know, one of the things he told me was, if you're trying to sail and it's hard, like physically really hard, sometimes you're, you're doing it wrong. Mm. Now, there's a lot of work involved, but the, I mean, I, what the idea is like when, when you're not in the Tao, it's actually harder. When, mm-hmm. you're, when you're going with, and you understand the wind, when you understand the currents, when you understand the waves, mm-hmm. when you understand how to hit the wave, mm-hmm. when you understand which, you know, where to point the bow, you get all that lined up and you're not constantly overcorrecting and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're, 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 you're doing it right. So, so there's nothing wrong with planning, but worrying is no good. And then being here is part of that liberation. Yeah, so much of the time, you know, we spend our lives either, you know, thinking about the future or regretting the past. You know, in many of our communications, if we're honest with ourselves, that's kind of where we tend to live is either in the the future or the past. And it reminds me of this, this quote and it was from star Wars where Yoda uh, once said of Luke, a Jedi must have the deepest commitment, the most serious mind. This one a long time have I watched all his life. He has looked away to the future, to the horizon, never his mind on where he was, hmm, what he was doing. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't do it in the Yoda voice. I don't have the Yoda voice. And the reason is I don't want it to be a caricature because that is, that sounds kind of uh, Taoist Yoda there. In, <laughs> yeah. in that, in, yeah, it's like, um, what are you doing here? Yeah. When you... Curious, you know. A lot of times we, uh, we, we, we were 
you know, up in uh, Seattle a while back, and I was doing a talk on on how to die well, which is ironic because that's now kind of your thing. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I've never tried it, so <laughs> you know, take take my advice for, with a grain of salt. I I, don't, I can't tell you how to die well. I can tell you what has helped me not worry about death, mm-hmm. and that is um, the way I put it at the talk was right now I'm alive. And my feet are not on fire. And to my knowledge, I don't have cancer. In the future, my feet might be on fire and Mm -hmm. I might have cancer. But the future me is going to be kind of angry at the today me. Mm -hmm. If I wasted today by worrying about what the future me's job was, the calling of my future me is to be heroic and to allow the current me to enjoy the bliss of existence. Mm-hmm. The present me now honors and loves the future me for the gift that, in a certain sense, retroactively, that future me is giving me now. Yeah. The baby me that had to squeeze through my mama's birth canal <laughs> and cry as I was getting spanked and they put injections in me, I'm not happy that I suffered. I don't remember it, fortunately, right? Yeah. But that me gave me a gift now. But I do not honor the gift of the past me that worked hard to get you know, through grad school or something, nor do I honor the dying me in the future by worrying about the regrets of the past or the future. My job now is sometimes to actually live and enjoy my life. And friends, you know, you you got through this far into the podcast. I want to tell you a secret. Everybody thinks, what's, what is philosophy and, 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 and knowledge and grad school and all this? What's the wisdom? What's, how can you summarize all of this? It is so simple so hard to do so simple so hard to do and that is to recognize that the point of life is life (laughs) and if you go to a religious community that tells you that the point of life is to not life as to not have life and that to dis that you should disregard the lack of abundant life that you currently have that's demonic that's false Mm -hmm. that is that is unwise (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's in their best interest, right? Right. Don't worry that you don't have anything, you know, anything good going on in your life. Don't worry that I'm mistreating you in my relationship. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Don't squander this. Mm-hmm. Don't squander this, friend. And you're not doing God any favors. You're not doing your neighbors any favors. And you're certainly not doing your children or yourself any favors or your puppy. If you deny the nourishment that is here and instead get suckered into the empty calories. Now, real fast, what, Stacy, are these things? You got like the, the senses, mm-hmm. um, the, you know, you got the five senses, the five flavors. Oh, well, and you say five because they're, the, we went ahead and we, um, when we translated it, we, we talked about, you know, focusing on the flashy things. But in the original, if you are looking at the Chinese and the way that it would translate. Um, it, if it was more literal. Yep. It's more literal. It, they talk about five colors. Uh, five sounds and five flavors. So, for instance, like the five flavors, you know, you're probably talking about like, like your your sour, sweet, bitter, those kinds mm, of things. Salty. Like, so it's not, you know, it's not a literal, really, like you know, five uh, just this thing or whatever. But it's it's right. the idea that when it essentially it's sensory overload. Right. It's the, so you <laughs> got each, the components. You have all you know. So when when you've got everything all at once. So mm. so think about this. When you're, if, if you're cooking. Right. And you, you know, we all know that when you're cooking, every single 
spice out of your cabinet shouldn't be used right. <laughs> to, to well, flavor your dish. We all know dish. that. I, I, that is, so I'm an Enneagram 7, so I am a big sucker for lots of flavor. <laughs> a lot of times we do over flavor, that's for mm-hmm. sure. What I'm trying to say, though, is, is that, you know, we, you learn... We, as you cook, that more isn't always better, right. and that there are things that can help accent a very you know delicate flavor and help bring it out. Right. And there's other ones that will just overpower it, and you no longer taste the thing that you're cooking. You just taste the flavor that you flavored it with. But you then end up kind of not being able to distinguish it, and it's just which is why you know it's it's offensive when you go order at a restaurant a beautiful steak. And you throw a bunch of A1 sauce on it, or you ask for the A1, right? right. Because the chef worked at giving you the flavor of that, you know, the way that it was cooked, that that piece of meat. And you're, you know, the idea is to enjoy it for what it is and not to just cover it up with a sauce that anybody can do. Right, right. right. You know, it's no longer a piece of art. It's now, you know, um, (laughs) you know. Now, that said, we love our A1. and we we, we'll we'll take a few bites in there. But, I mean, that's that's the concept, right? The chef doesn't like it when you ask for ketchup for the, you know. Exactly. If you mess with the dish, you know, and you're actually at a real, at a nice restaurant, if you're Mm. messing with the dish, it's been chef-inspired. And so Mm. it's, an insult, really. Or if you get a really good creation. piece of sushi and then you drown it in, in your, uh, in your uh, wasabi mm-hmm. mixed with the soy you, sauce. You might as well have gotten a lower grade piece of fish and, yeah. <laughs> and then throw that sauce Which on Which is it, not a bad idea, you know? by the way. Throw well, some sriracha on some right. mackerel and we're good. That is one way to go. Um, so, but I, I mentioned that we often, you know, especially with, you know, we talk about, you know, screen time, especially even just, you know, with, with uh, COVID and things like mm-hmm. that, that how much that we, you know, stare at screens and have things flashing before our eyes and how quickly we can get bored. And that's yeah. part of the problem. And overstimulated. We, and we, but we get overstimulated. And I think that that is why it's interesting because you, the way that you can counteract overstimulation is to remove yourself from that stimulation for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And that's really the concept that's what's going on here yeah you know with even with the the sabbath or you need to take a break you, you need, need to have a little water and ginger before you have your next piece of sushi you know you're you're clearing the you cleansing the palate there yeah right and if you don't if you if you don't take that break then you need more and more of that thing to keep you with that same, you know, stimulation. So you might have found yourself, um, you know, in lockdown or whatever, you know, trying to work on your computer and just feeling really tired. And Constantly. You can't, you can't <laughs> yeah, stay awake. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know why. I'm not going out and partying all night, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe you end up drinking too much or whatever and staying up late or whatever. But, like, you're not going anywhere. You're not as busy as you used to be. But why are you so tired right now? Right. Sometimes you just need to totally walk away from whatever it is that you're numbing your mind with or mm. or even having to, you know, just things flashing before your eyes or what you're doing in order, if you take that break and give yourself that, that time away, then you'll realize that you aren't as tired. And so, because I had read, I was thinking like, why is it when I sit down on my computer and I'm trying to read something that I'm constantly tired? And I, I did some research on the internet and basically watched a YouTube video of saying that your mind eventually like it will keep needing more and more and more to keep you awake. Mm -hmm. And so the only way to reset that so that the base level when you're reading 
a document or whatever that you're not going to feel tired is to step away for an entire day. Mm. And maybe do something physical and you'll be less tired. Yes. You yes. know, there's an easy way to illustrate what's going on in this chapter. And that is Plato. You take Plato, you take five colors. Literally take, in fact, you should remember to do this. <laughs> oh, yeah. If we're ever teaching this chapter yeah. against this, you, you mix remember, it into a ball. You get five little balls of different colors. You mix them together. And what is it? Brown. Dull brown. Mm-hmm. That's what is being said here. And this is what's so beautiful about the Tao Te Ching. It's not telling you something that some angel delivered from heaven. It's yeah. observation about life and realizing that this applies to our own lives. The Plato phenomenon occurs in our own lives or another one. Well, can you, I say this know, though? So with the brown, you've got the, you know, the, the ball of brown. It's kind of gray brown. Yeah, I wish it were gray. Brown. Well, whatever. Sorry. <laughs> I, know, but no, it's, no, I don't it's, know. It's, it's, uh, Depends on what it's you're like, starting it's with. It's just duh, right? Blah, drab. Whatever. Drab. Whatever drab that is. is the word. So if you want that now to look like yellow, you have to take that and put a whole bunch of, a lot of yellow now. Ooh, yeah, it's good. To make it actually look yellowish. <laughs> right, right, right. And so that's the whole point is that when, you know, when you have all of these things that all just become this one thing, it needs more and more and more and more. And that's not minimalism. That's not doubt. I mean, that's using up all yeah. these extra resources yeah. just to get <laughs> that original one color that yeah. a tiny little ball of yellow will look yellow. The application is your life could have become mental slavery, mental enslavement. And the thing that you think you're going to do to overcome the drab life that the system has created for you is to flood it with a yellow Play-Doh. But that takes up a lot of space and money and time. So that, that could be cocaine, that could be dancing, that could be whatever it is that you're trying to do to punch up your life that has become so dreary. Right. Instead, or that expensive vacation that you yeah. now you have to go to, you know, Hawaii or yeah. Europe. Yeah, now whatever. I'll be happy. But then that starts to become muddied. Yeah. What the Tao Te Ching is saying is maybe go the other route. It's cheaper. It's easier. Pull back. And in a in a practical way, we've said this many times in the last few years. Spend more on less. Get the right beautiful leather shoe that you want and don't get so many shoes because that's going to last longer. Go on that vacation with your kids that might cost you some money, but make it not just a diversion. Make it something really beautiful that you did together and really be there Mm -hmm. instead of just running around. I saw Paris, I saw Eiffel Tower or whatever, and you're doing all this stuff instead of just, you know, just being present. Another example, so that there's the color of the, the Play-Doh, um, uh, you know, and then we've talked about the food, there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's too much food. But really, the, the, the other thing is just the blindingness of, of light being too light. Like, so imagine, you know, when you know white light is all the colors. Mm-hmm. But if you want to see the colors and you just stare into, a, you know, into the sun... You're seeing all the colors, and you're seeing nothing <laughs> in short <laughs> right. order, right? Like, that's going to that's gonna mm-hmm. wipe you out. So you need – the Tao Te Ching is, is advising this kind of on and off, this balance, so that you don't blow out your circuits mm-hmm. with too much of even good things. One more thing that really comes to mind to me is the five sounds. And I can get overstimulated with sound, you know, a lot faster, obviously, than you, but – there's all, you know, there's so much 
noise. And first of all, sometimes when we're trying to record, we actually become aware of all, all of the noises, noises around <laughs> us because, all, yeah. you know, whether it's, Too aware. you know, outside or even just what the wind will do or, mm-hmm. you know, anyway, it's, I'm sure it, you dear our, listeners do as well, <laughs> our refrigerator or, you know, there's just so many noises, um, that when, you know, I'm really embracing this, just becoming totally silent silent in my own head, mm-hmm. silent, you know, all, all around because then I cut out all of that noise and then clarity happens yeah. for me and I can, you know, then less frantically enter back into the world and what I need to do. Right. Mm-hmm. But if I don't take that time with just utter and complete silence and totally Beautiful. quieting my mind and stilling myself because stillness is a thing also that I need because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I, I'm not, always um you know i don't always appreciate the all the noises but i, I definitely can't seem to sit still sometimes you're a little fidgety got to get up and yeah. do something or you i'm know, noisy I'm, you're fidgety <laughs> <laughs> um but when i can get still and silent yeah. um that's the sweet spot for me to be able to then uh, you know get <laughs> go back into the world with a, a reset that um i don't know that i find that it finally helps me to be more productive and you receive i'll give you one more when we go through all these with respect to the sounds, I think that one of the worst things that, that music producers do is they saturate the audio, the voice, the guitars, which is too many effects. Mm. Now, I do this when I'm tinkering <laughs> around. I'm like, oh, this is fun. I'm going to throw some chorus on there. I'm going to throw some flange and then throw in some uh, wah-wah. I'm going to throw in some de- well, definitely delay. <laughs> get some distortion on there. I mean, and sometimes that's exactly what you want because you're creating that sense of overload. That's always a very powerful thing. But if your entire album is <laughs> well, I never, I never was a real big fan of the wall of sound uh, uh, style. I, I think when that was applied to uh, Leonard Cohen uh, by a nefarious music p- producer, I, I thought that was uh, unhelpful. Whereas the early Leonard Cohen, when it's his guitar and maybe a couple, you know instruments in the back and maybe one woman's voice i always thought that that was that starkness mm-hmm. was what made it so much more powerful and more beautiful and when you overproduce something people know what this is point is there is the aesthetic aspect mm-hmm. and we're maybe getting too much into that but but i think i think that religions do this pol- political systems do this they distract us with all the noise so that we don't see the, the, the hustle that's going on behind the noise. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something real simple sometimes people are trying to get. Your money, your obedience, you know, your land, what, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff going on. It's like smoke and mirrors. Mm. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So if we're looking at manipulation, if we're trying to outfox religious and other wolves, the one thing that the bad guys tend to want to do is to flood us with so much information that we get so bombarded by the nonsense that they're throwing at us that, that we can't even focus in on the one or two things that are, that are the evils that they're foisting on us. That just gets kind of thrown in to a bunch of other junk. Mm-hmm. And then we're just in this avalanche of nonsense. And friends, by stepping out of that as best you can, by getting that stillness, by getting that, that space and that peace, the Tao Te Ching is, is inviting us to be able to then finally reflect on what needs to stay and what's the flotsam and jetsam that needs to be you know, <laughs> dumped. I want to give one, one tiny little gift. 
Um, and then I think we'll go on to the, the question. The question, yes. Yeah. Yep. So one tiny little gift. There's a tip that you've been learning as you're cooking of some nice things that you can add to a dish that will bring out some of the flavors, right? Oh, yeah. So so one of the things is I, I didn't want people to leave. Thank you for reminding me of this. Mm-hmm. I didn't want people to leave thinking, oh, I shouldn't put, I shouldn't mix my five, like my five flavors, mm-hmm. right? So it says too much flavor. And the first tip has nothing to do with what you were, I think, trying to get me to say. But it is that when I was in uh, Tokyo with some dear friends there, um, they, they, uh, they hooked me up with this, uh, five s- the five spice. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got another one that was the seven spice. <laughs> and guess what? They're just fine. So if you get some Japanese spices that are mixed together, and, and that was really handy for us when we were traveling around the, the country because I just got this oh, nice yeah. little, you get some ramen, get some udon. That udon's not popping enough. Boop, boop, boop. Throw on a little bit of the seven spice and you're going to be good. So that's pretty, that's pretty groovy. The key is, is to be able to learn how to balance these things, kind of like that yin and yang, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Augie lately turned me on to is that I wasn't really realizing how often I was forgetting to put in things that didn't seem to go with the dish, that once I put it in, it just blew everything away. Lemon. I don't want to have lemon in this. Well, this isn't supposed to be tart. No, no. A little bit of lemon in a lot of the dishes, it could be a pasta or something, really has, has been phenomenal for, mm. for bringing stuff mm-hmm. out. Putting in honey. I was making, I was making some stuff our, our, out front of the college uh, dorm here where we're living. <laughs> has, uh, we, we've got all these, all these hot peppers, and they're the hottest, spiciest peppers. They're terrifyingly hot, <laughs> but I love them. But uh, Augie said, hey, throw in, throw in some honey on that. So, you know, I, I throw a little honey in there, and I'm, I'm making some stuff up. Sometimes the salt, you don't want to oversalt things, but the salt's going to bring it to life. And then, and then my favorite with the chicken is apple cider vinegar. Because mm-hmm. everyone says, oh, use apple cider vinegar. Like, I, I kind of became averse to it because I was mouthwashing or something with it. I don't <laughs> know. But these little things, the, the acidity, the, 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 the sweetness. sweetness, the honey, the salt... By by they working with these, they yeah. complement each other. Just like it's the, the point counterpoint. It's, it's the balance. And so, the Dada Jing isn't saying don't live an abundant, flavorful life. In right. fact, savor it. Make it more savory. Part of what it's in a certain sense saying is, you know, don't overly bombard it just to kind of wow you. In a more practical way, in terms of culinary life, I'd say the big downfall is just something that is a nuclear bomb of salt. Because <laughs> that's a lot of what, you know, your low-end restaurants are going to give you. Right. It's going to be like habaneros on a burger and they're going to dupe you into having a bad burger, but you felt like you had something. Mm-hmm. So in an ironic way, and I know this is, this is way off, uh, off <laughs> you know, the main point here, but in an ironic way, for today's menu items, I think we get duped into fast food that's just salty and fatty. Yeah. And in fact, what we should do is go to somebody who's like a local chef that knows how to take that, that meat and, you know, maybe put in, put in that, that, that vinegar and, mm-hmm. and the salt and the, and the hot and the, mm-hmm. all and the umami, just kind of mix that in together and enjoy that art. And, and the way this works, you know, for, for us, I think is to say, you know, to apply an earlier principle we had talked about, eat out less. But when you eat out, don't be afraid to go to a real chef. Right. Because that's what you, I mean, you know, obviously, I think in our lives we found it to be the best to say, I'm going to go to Noggles 
and get the combo burrito, <laughs> or I'm going to go to a place that's not serving me $15 frozen meals. Mm-hmm. Go to either a mm-hmm. real good place mm-hmm. or go to something that's got a real good value that's maybe, you know, street food. Yeah. Are you, I mean, if you just need to, to eat quickly and, yeah. and cheaply or you gotta whatever. Do what you got to do. Hey, do friends. Whatever. Do whatever. You love Applebee's? Um, hit the Applebee's. It's a good time for Applebee's. It's but. way better, you know, to save up and maybe go out less. But when you do, you know, like you said. Go to a real restaurant. And get good quality food because you'll, you'll you'll see it for the art that it is. Yes. And I'm not talking just expensive because no. that doesn't guarantee quality no. either. No, definitely not. Definitely <laughs> you not. Know? But somebody who, somebody who isn't, it's, you know, it's not like a, this is not just like a bourgeois kind of thing. We're like, well, don't go to a chain. It's, it's what we've, we found, especially around here. It's so hard to find some of these really great chefs because they can't afford mm-hmm. the, the lease. So when we were in Ensenada, mm-hmm. we we were just blown away. You know, I mean, there, well, there's there's uh, Abigail and um, uh, Mauricio Para mm-hmm. who've got the Nomada down there, and that's just like oh, it was never had anything delicious, better yeah. with that. Uh, you know, and there's there's stuff in, in inland. There's stuff in you know. Um, there's stuff up in Santa Ana, but sometimes in, in suburbia, you're still going to pay a lot of money, mm-hmm. but, but you're going to be distracted. And I think that's, that's one of the things that, that is always threatening society mm-hmm. is, is just, oh, wait a minute, I'm paying, I'm paying restaurant prices for frozen meals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the that was a shell game. That was a shell game, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. So, and so well, and in, in, in a lot of ways, that's what a happy hour often is. Is always those, you know. I don't knock my happy hour. I'm with you. I, <laughs> give me a bacon wrapped date with some cream cheese in it, and I don't care what the Dow oh, says. Now I'm, I'm getting hungry. Let's anyway, so we'll make our own. We'll make our own. We'll move on to the the, the question here. Let's, so, as you know, friends, we're ending with a question for you to take with you. It's free. You can carry it around in your noggin. That has now been properly protected, or at least a little bit better than before. Stacy, what's the question? Yeah, so the question is, I want you to imagine, and really, I mean, actually imagine, give it a few minutes, and imagine what would be your absolute perfect day. Mm. You know, I want you to just sit on that, and maybe even, you know, not, you know, take five minutes to really ponder on, you know, and if you want, even write it down or whatever. But what is your absolute perfect day? And when you have time to think about that, I want you to sort of pay attention to what is there? What's missing from your perfect day? And what is going on in your current life that is contributing to that perfect day? And if it's not something that is working towards that perfect day, do you really need it in your life? Because if you don't, maybe back away from that and focus on the stuff that will contribute to your absolute perfect day. Because I want you all, friends, to enjoy your most absolute perfect day with a deep peace upon peace. Thank you so much, friends, for joining us for this episode of the Protect Your Noggin podcast. 
You want to join in on the conversation? We'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show. You can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button. And don't worry about getting it perfect since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending. You can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message. Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said there wasn't any letter. He said I was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? Perhaps because you found this letter no too much.